Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. In extra innings, it's the Cleveland Guardians 7, the Minnesota Twins 6. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing they enjoy watching baseball being played. And did you stay up for the end of this one? Woo! Don't you feel bad for those people that turn the game off as soon as they hit that home run in the top of the 10th inning? Right? Man, you missed one heck of an ending. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of this game. And the storyline of this game is extra innings, is the 10th inning. Oh my God, seven runs are scored in that 10th inning. That is not how Major League Baseball drew things up when they decided to start with the runner on second base. They thought one team would bring that runner in, one team wouldn't, and the game would be over. Not that these teams would go off on each other for seven runs in that 10th inning to decide this thing. So how did it go down for the Minnesota Twins? Well, they uh, they uh, they got the Eli Morgan. They got the Eli Morgan. And frankly, frankly, I don't think Eli Morgan or on the other side, I don't think that uh, Emilio Pagan or Cotton, is it Jarrell Cotton, should be pitching against each other. I don't think these guys should be pitching against these other teams. Listen, Eli Morgan, his last three appearances have been against the Minnesota Twins. He went two-thirds of an inning in Minnesota, gave up two runs, pitched uh, yesterday, gave up, uh, or the day, two days ago, and gave up one run over an innings pitched, and then pitches last night in extra innings, Gives up three runs to earn because the runner on second doesn't count as an earned run in an inning pitched. So yeah, last three outings, he's given up six runs. He's given up runs in every outing against the Minnesota Twins. Pagan, for Minnesota, has faced us four times over his last five appearances. He did have an appearance against the Colorado Rockies in the middle there. And he has given up two runs, then three runs in Minnesota, and then two runs and now three runs, one unearned. Here in Cleveland. So he has given up uh, 10 runs against us in his last four appearances. Jarrell Cotton, his last two appearances against Cleveland uh, at the start of this series and then last night. And then if you go back to the series in Minnesota on the 22nd, he gives up three runs in that seri- in that game on the 22nd, gives up a run two days ago, and then gives up a run last night. So yeah, he has given up five runs in his last three appearances against Cleveland. Maybe these relief pitchers should not be pitching against these opposing teams because uh, batters are teeing off on them. But God, 10 runs in his last four appearances against Cleveland. Uh, Eli Morgan, I mean, yeah, it's it's rough going. Uh, these two offenses do not give up. So for some of these late-inning relievers, it's going to be some pretty ugly numbers. So what happened in the top of the 10th inning? Uh, you know, we, we don't get a chance to score in the uh, bottom of the ninth, which hurts. We did get a runner on. We did get Andres Jimenez on, but we couldn't bring him in. Uh, so it goes to the 10th inning, and frankly, I was worried because I feel like in these extra inning situations, the away team does have an advantage now. I feel like if they get the opportunity to put that run across first, they set the pace for what the other team has to match. And uh, they definitely set the pace in this one. My God, they blew the pace out of the water. So uh, it starts with Luis Arise flying out into foul territory. 
Frankly, Richie Palacios makes a fantastic catch going into the netting. But it allows Byron Buxton, who was the pinch runner at third at second base, you know, to start the inning. It does allow him to tag. He's very fast. It allows him to tag and go to third base. Now, I'm not saying you never tell a guy not to catch a ball if he can catch it. But you do wonder if he doesn't get a chance to tag up and go to third base. Does that does that change anything in the inning, right? You never know. It's the butterfly effect. You change one thing. You never know what else changes. But it allows Buxton to go to third. Now, in the end, this isn't going to matter because there's going to be a home run. There's going to be two base hits following this. But but at the time, in the moment, I wondered if letting him... Because that's the goal of that leadoff hitter is to get that guy to third. You got to get that guy at least a third. Sure, if you hit him in and hit a gapper and you drive him in, that's great. But you either got to hit one to the right side or hit one up in the air so he can tag. You got to get that guy to third. You're you're in so much trouble if you don't get that runner, that pinch runner on second to third base. But he does it. He does it in a very unconventional way by fouling out into the netting uh, down the left field line. Uh, Correa would come in as a pinch hitter. He was getting the night off. He would single on a line drive to right field. It would bring Byron Buxton in to score. All right, fine. They got their... They got the one run in, right? They got it in. Uh, he throws them. He threw them. Everything was up. He didn't get one pitch down. He was throwing up sliders. Uh, in fact, let's look at Eli Morgan's total pitches here. Was everything just up? Uh, yeah, pretty much everything was up. One pitch. He gets one pitch below the knees. It was a ball in the dirt to Polanco. He gets one pitch. Everything else is... And there's two sliders down there. Uh... That he throws to Gary Sanchez, but that's too late. That's too late. Before Sanchez, everything was at the belt or above. That's that's a problem living up there like that. Uh, he's going to pay, and in this at-bat, he does. Eventually, on the seventh pitch of the at-bat, it's a four-seam fastball on the outside edge. Correa stays with it, drives it into right field at 106.1 miles per hour, and that run comes in to score. He then strikes Polanco out. So you think he might get out of it. Throws him a bunch of change-ups, uh, including where was that fifth pitch? The fifth pitch, he, so he starts him off with four change-ups in a row and then finally throws him a high and tight fastball at 92.2 miles per hour, uh, and he swings through it. That's a nasty pitch. To be going change-up away, change-up away, change-up in the dirt, change-up away, and then come high and tight with a fastball, that's a nasty pitch. I like that pitch sequencing from Eli Morgan against the left-handed hitter. Then Kepler comes up. I do not like this pitch sequencing. He gives him three changeups basically in the same location, three fastballs in the same location. Uh, he's ahead in the count. It's a one-two count. He's followed off the he starts he's followed off the last three pitches. He follows off a fastball at the top of the zone. He throws him a changeup on the outside edge and uh, catches too much of the plate, frankly, but the timing between the fastball and the changeup does throw Kepler off. I remember watching this and thinking that was a pretty ugly swing by Kepler. Maybe another changeup a little further away is going to strike him out. Instead, he throws him a changeup in the exact same spot. This time, Kepler does not take an ugly swing. He takes a very, very good swing on this changeup. Takes an outside changeup and pulls it into right field. 102.2 mile per hour exit velocity, 398 to the seats in right field. Uh, they call it right center field here on StatCast for a you know 
blow the game wide open to run home run. You let that one run come in from second to score, fine. That's what it's designed for. We can we can deal with that. But to give up a two-run homer, then, that is a gut punch. Right? That's when I'm sure some of you turned your TVs off or your radios off. I'm sure some of you did. I'm sure some people, I know the nature of fans. Some of you turned this game off and gave up on it. I hope you didn't. I hope the morning people didn't. I have faith in the morning people. But I don't have faith in a lot of fans across Northeast Ohio. So uh, he gets the two-run homer. He then, like I said, strikes out Gary Sanchez. He finally gets some pitches down, gets him to chase some uh, a bunch of sliders, and gets out of the inning. So, yeah, they're up three now, six to three. It's looking bad. Palacios is the runner that starts on second base. And Owen Miller would ground out to uh, Correa, so he can't even move the runner over. But at this point, that doesn't even matter. You need a rally here. You're down three. If it had just been that one run, if it had just been Buxton, this would have mattered. Not getting the runner over. Doesn't matter. Steven Kwan comes up. What does he do? He works a walk. Of course Kwan works a walk. Two nights in a row, I think, actually, Quan's been up in late situations, and they've thrown him a fastball on the outside edge that just misses outside, and he does that thing where he freezes with a bat and then flips it and walks to first. Honestly, is Quan the first guy to bat flip off of a walk? He, I think he's done it a couple times this season. I think he bat flips off walks, which that would be a signature move. Uh, in that at-bat, though, a wild pitch from Pagan had allowed Palacios to go to third base. So, uh, yeah, so they get runners on the corner, and suddenly that brings the tying run to the plate. It's amazing how fast that can happen. Now, here's the problem. Cleveland does not hit home runs at home. This is the moment where you wish you had some home run hitters because you desperately need a three-run homer here. And frankly, Cleveland, up up until this point, has not hit many home runs. So now we need a rally. We still need a long rally to get who Ahmed Rosario, who's the tying run, around the score. So what does he do? He takes an inside pitch and drives it out into left field. He takes a fastball inside for ball one. He goes fastball away, Pagan this is, for a swinging strike, so it's a 1-1 count. Comes back inside with a splitter. Frankly, I don't mind the pitch sequencing here, going in and out, changing speeds, but he stays with this one and drives at 103.2 miles per hour into the left field corner, brings in Palacios to score, and Quan goes to third. Now, this is just quick hands from Ahmed Rosario. It's not a bad pitch from Pagan. But for Rosario to do this, you have to have incredibly fast hands. And I looked at Ahmed Rosario's uh, stat cast page, and frankly, this is not a zone where he hard hits balls. He has zero hard hit balls off the plate here. Uh, He just doesn't hit balls in this location very often. He's got a couple of singles from up and tight. This is his first double ever up in that zone. Uh, yeah, so his ISO is slugging and all that up in this zone is not very good. Frankly, down and in is his spot. Down and in, he has a huge slugging percentage, a good ISO from down and in pitches. Middle of the plate, obviously. But not up and in like this. So this is new for Ahmed Rosario. It would now put runners on second and third and make it a two-run game. And I'm telling you, a storyline of this game is going to be Stephen Kwan and Ahmed Rosario on base together. They were fantastic. We will get to that in a second. It brings up Jose Ramirez. 
He gets a low changeup that he lines out into center field. Unfortunately, Buxton comes flying in, makes the catch. All his momentum is heading home. He fires a one-hopper home. Quan can't advance. He can't tag. Like Buxton was had too good of a head start on this ball, too good of a head start from the lineout that was bringing him right to home plate. You can't tag up on that. I don't blame Quan for not going. Um, Ramirez is very annoyed, very pissed off that this ball didn't drop in. I think off the bat, he thought he was going to have one that would drop in at center field. And uh, Buxton runs it down. So uh, I know that feeling. I get it, Jose Ramirez. Uh, He puts an okay swing on this. I know people are worried about Jose Ramirez's thumb injury. I think they were even talking in the game how he was doing some ugly things with his hands at the end of his swing in his follow-through. But he does put a decent swing on this ball. I know what he's going for. He's trying to just drop one in for a single, and it just carries a little bit too much for Byron Buxton. That would bring up Josh Naylor now. Two outs. I was actually shocked they do not walk Ramirez and load the bases. Um, it could have you know, set up for a double play in this situation, but it brings up Josh Naylor now with two outs. And in this, you're going to get a fastball right down the middle that's going to be a pass ball by uh, by the catcher Jeffers. I mean, literally a fastball that just hits off his glove and goes to the backstop. I couldn't believe it. Uh, it brings in Steven Kwan to score. It moves Ahmed Rosario to third. Now it's a one-run game, and you've got the tying run on third base. And all he does is throw Naylor fastball after fastball. Six fastballs in a row at basically the same speed. At just under 93 miles per hour, 92.8, 92.9, And he locates them all in this kind of the same area. They're a bunch of outside pitches. He goes high on a few, but the first one was inside. Everything else is middle of the plate or away. And eventually Naylor gets a hold of one. He leaves one a little too high, a little too in the zone. It's at the thighs. It's on the outer edge. And he drives it out in the left field for a huge walk-off, game-winning home run. His first home run hit in this location on the season. Everything else had been pulled to uh, right center field, one down the right field line. He finally gets one out to left field. It's a huge home run. And uh, frankly, this is a spot where Naylor has been able to hit a few. Uh, He does have some decent hard hit uh, balls in this location, a few, a few hard hit balls in this location, um, a few barrels in this location. So yeah, so it's not necessarily foreign territory, but to hit it out to left field like this is a little bit of foreign territory for Josh Naylor. So it's a, I mean, and then Naylor, I mean, this is the thing you're going to be remembered from this game, the celebration, my God, this guy he just, the top blows off, and he just loses his mind. Terry Francona put a batting helmet on because he knew what was coming. Naylor headbutted Francona in his celebration with a batting helmet on. That's just, and he stomps through the dugout, just, I mean, a crazy man. A crazy passionate, I guess we could say, right? Just an incredible celebration. Somebody uh, tweeted out the Twins broadcaster's reaction, and they just go silent for like 20 seconds. Uh, It's a really funny reaction. I heard Hamilton's call. He was going nuts. The magic that we've been asking for, 
the magic that we wanted on this homestand. It was there on the road trip. Where was the magic on this homestand? We finally got to see it at home, right? The last time Nigler went off like this was in Chicago. We finally got to see it at home in front of home fans. And it was even a higher degree, right? He even went even higher for the home fans. Uh, So it's a huge moment in this 10th inning. That's what you stay up for. That's why you stick with a baseball game for moments like this. Josh Naylor, an outside fastball, and he delivers the big two-run home run. All right. Are there any other storylines in this game? Uh, Sure. Sure there are. Yeah, there are. Uh, Quan uh, Quan and Rosario getting on base together. My God, it created the entire offense. These guys were ridiculous. Quan at the top of the lineup goes three for four with three runs scored and a walk, by the way. So he's on base four times. Ahmed Rosario goes four for four with a walk. He's on base five times with two doubles. Quan also had a double in there. Uh, he has two runs scored and an RBI. Now behind him, uh, behind them, Jose Ramirez wasn't really able to get the job done too well. He does single in the first here. So it's three singles in a row to kick off the game. Frankly, Quan had some bad base running early in the game. I mean, I don't want to dog the guy too much because he was on base so much. But he did have a little bit of bad base running. He gets a bad jump off second base when Jose Ramirez singles in a right. He probably should have scored. Probably should have scored on this. Instead, it has to wait for a Fermil Reyes force out to come in and score. He hits a chopper to short. And he's able to leg it out. He was really hustling because he did not want to hit into a double play there. With the bases loaded to start the game, you can't hit into a double play there. And uh, it brings Quan into score finally. So they do scratch across a run in that first in uh, two runs in that first inning, right? Because a wild throw once again. I forgot about this. Once again, the Twins they were desperate to turn the double play and get out of the inning. And then in their desperation, instead of just letting one run come into score. They let two runs come in to score. Very reminiscent of what happened the day before, where they that time they made a bad decision for pulling the infield in. So it's a slightly different situation, but it's the same result. A decision by the Minnesota Twins, instead of letting one run come in, they allow two runs to come in to score. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Whew. So yeah, two runs come in to score in that first inning. Quan and Rosario setting the table and then delivering. In the third inning, Again, Quan singles. I believe he steals second base in this situation. And uh, Ahmed Rosario would double, but Quan would get a bad jump. He wasn't sure if the ball was going to get run down out in right center field. So on a double, he can only advance to third. That's bad base running. You have to score. You have to. Luckily, a Josh Naylor sack fly would bring him in. I think to left field. Would bring Stephen Quan in to score in this situation. But... It was a situation where uh, Jose Ramirez hit a ground ball after him. So if Quan scores on that double, Rosario can move up to third on the ground ball, and then he's scoring on the Naylor sack fly. So really, again, it's the butterfly effect, but it does maybe take a run off the board by Quan not scoring on that double. So a great job by those two. Uh, Again, they would be on base together. Uh, in the fifth inning, Quan would double this time. Rosario would walk behind him. Unfortunately, Ramirez does hit into a double play this time. 
Uh, I, oh, this was the line out. Right. He lines out to first base at 107.1 miles per hour. And Ahmed Rosario is just left out the hang, a dead duck on the bases. You're supposed to take a secondary lead. He does kind of freeze on the line drive. But the first baseman is closer to the bag than the runner is in that situation. And Jose Ramirez hits it right at him. Nothing you could do. I mean, it's a great swing by Ramirez. Hit it at 107.1. It had an expected batting average of 650 because you smoke a line drive like that. The only way you're getting out is if you hit it exactly at somebody. And that's what Ramirez does. So that's an unfortunate play there in the fifth inning. Uh, And then they get on base together in the 10th inning. So yeah, three times they're on base. uh, Four times they're on base together in this game. And three times it turns into runs. From the top of your lineup, hell yeah. Hell yeah, that's good stuff. For, uh, frankly, it was the whole lineup. I mean, there was not much going on. Jimenez does have that single in the ninth inning, but from the four spot, from the five spot down to the bottom of the lineup, there was nothing going on offensively for the Guardians. For the Twins, it's a little bit different situation. It was actually the middle of their order uh, that was getting everything done for them. It was four, five, and six and seven, four, five, six, and seven in their lineup that was getting mostly everything done. They actually make a rise go 0 for 5 at the top of the lineup, which is hard to do for a guy hitting 337. Uh, but yeah, Kepler with a home run, uh, Sanchez with a big double, Kirilov with a home run, and Giovanni Urshela with a home run in this game. So uh, the middle of their Twins lineup, and of course it's the home run ball. Of course that's how they're doing it. All right, let's talk about Cal Quantrill, and let's talk about what happens in this sixth inning because, man, things get out of hand for Quantrill in this sixth inning. Um, I'm going to have to find it here in the matchups. So the inning starts with Jorge Polanco, and he would ground out. Okay, fine, looking good here. Uh, That's right, does all this happen with two outs? Kepler would then fly out to Stephen Kwan. Now you got two outs. That brings up Gary Sanchez. Here we go. Two outs. He gets a double. Frankly, it's a uh, it's the fourth pitch of the at-bat. What was the location of this? Oh, it was right down. Frankly, it was right down the middle of the plate. Uh, he gets one right down the pipe. A cutter. The cutter had been very effective for uh, Quantrill in the day, but he's got to keep it not in this location. This is dead middle of the plate. Sanchez smokes at 108.1 miles per hour. Luckily, it's a lower launch angle, 29 degrees, so it hits off the wall in center field. Uh, Once again, an outfielder, Straub buried himself into the wall where he couldn't handle the ricochet. Quan had to back him up to handle the ricochet. Luckily, Sanchez is a really slow runner, and he only gets to second base. If that's Buxton or one of their faster runners, that's a triple. It wouldn't matter, though, because the next batter, Kirilov, would end up hitting a home run. Uh, he would throw him a two-seam sinker that was up just inside of the middle of the plate, and he would turn on it at 104.6 miles per hour. So, frankly, he's just leaving some things up in this inning. Uh, Kirilov, he just leaves him one up. This is a location he hadn't thrown to the entire at-bat. Frankly, he'd been staying away with the sinkers most of the at-bat. Uh, he comes in with a cutter and then tries to come in again with a sinker. This was not the location of this pitch. I believe the catcher was set up low and away for this pitch. And he tries to throw this one hard. He throws it at 94.6 miles per hour. 
and how much was about, about what he was doing in this at bat. So he was throwing everything as hard as he could in this at bat. And uh, Kirloff, fast hands again, an inside pitch. You got to have fast hands to handle an inside pitch. And he does. I mean, he turns on this thing. And now you're thinking, oh, come on, man. Oh, you were pitching so good, Quantrill. What's happening? And then Giovanni Urshela goes and makes things worse. Now, those pitches to uh, Sanchez and to Kirilov, he mi- I'm, I'm telling you, he missed his location with those. He did not want to put those as middle of the plate as he did. Giovanni Urshela goes down and gets this one. Now, everything that Quantrill was throwing him was down and in. Throws him a cutter down and in for a called strike. Throws him another cutter down off the plate. This one was away, but down off the plate that he swings over for a strike. Then throws him a sinker down and in that he fouls off. Urshela is just hacking away here. Throws him another sinker down and in at the knees off the plate. And he drives this one 103.7 miles per hour over the wall in left field for a game-tying home run in the sixth inning. He points back at the dugout as he's rounding. And I'm almost wondering if was pointing back at the dugout, right? It it felt like it could have signified two things. It felt like it could have signified like, I told you boys, you know, I could do it. Or, you know, look at me. I just tied the game up. Or it could have, it felt a little bit like he was pointing back and the look in his eyes was like, hey, that scouting report was dead accurate. That's that's kind of what it kind of felt. I mean, he was hacking away at balls down and in. Uh, clearly, he had a plan in this at bat, and that was to drive one of these down and in pitches. And I can't believe he lifted this ball, you know, a sinker down and in at the knees like that. I can't believe he lifted this on a 27 degree launch angle, 379 feet out in the left field for a home run. I just, I mean, this was a good pitch from Quantrill. This in no, those other two were bad pitches. This one was not. But Quantrill would settle down and go eight innings in this one. I mean, that's some serious work from Cal Quantrill here. To have an ugly inning and then push through and then keep going. It wasn't a huge strikeout day for Quantrill. Only three strikeouts. He's hard hit. Oh, my God. I, I can't even add up that many uh, that many flame icons in a row. My eyes would glaze over. Uh, I got to go. I got to just subtract the three hard hit balls that the relievers gave up and look at the total here for Cleveland. So we gave up 13 hard hit balls on the day Quantrill did. But here's the thing. Ground balls. He gave up ground balls. 15 ground ball outs to six fly ball outs from Cal Quantrill. That is fantastic. 15 ground ball outs. I will take that. Every day of the week. I don't care how many strikeouts you're getting. If you're getting that many ground ball outs. Uh, Going over to the player breakdown page. What was working for him was the cutter. But here's the weird thing about the cutter. Okay, so ready for this? It's a little bit weird. Five whiffs. It's a 29% whiff rate. That's all right. 13 called strikes. Very good. Makes it a 42% CSW on that pitch, on that cutter, which he threw the most on the day. But they only fouled one off and they put 11 in play. So that shows me, I mean, it's not a very high whiff rate. It's the same thing with that two-seam sinker. They only fouled off four. They only whiffed at four. They put 10 in play. So they were on those pitches. I mean, the fact that they're not fouling that many off. They put 29 balls in play. They only fouled off seven. On the opposite side, just to show you a little balance, 
against Dylan Bundy, who started the game for the Twins. The Guardians fouled off 22 and put 19 in play. That's a little more balanced what you expect to see. Not this. Seven foul balls to 29 in play. And that cutter, when they were putting it in play, they were hitting it hard. The average exit velocity was 95.4. Now, with this two-seam sinker, it was different. The average exit velocity was only 80.9. So you can kind of live with some of those ones put in play. But the cutter, they were definitely hitting hard. So it's an interesting day for Cal Quantrill. Those are some interesting player breakdown numbers. Kind of a balance that we don't normally see. But when you're getting ground balls, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's a really, really good start for Cal Quantrill. Unfortunately, he doesn't get the win on this one because the Guardians aren't able to take that lead again until extra innings. So it's actually going to go to a manual, uh, uh, not a manual class. It's going to Eli Morgan. He's going to get, they don't give him the blown save win combo. Oh, that's a shame. I love the old blown save win. I guess it's not a blown save because it was a tie game going into the top of the 10th inning. So he just takes the win. Eli Morgan gives up three runs, but takes the win on the day. But Quantrill was really good. I, I Those ground balls are huge. Uh, Quantrill is a fighter, too. He brings some fire to that mound. I didn't see it early in his career. I didn't see it. If you were listening to me all those years ago, I talked about how in spring training, his first spring training with us, watching those outings and thinking to myself, this guy is not very intimidating on the mound. Like, I, it just doesn't seem very aggressive. Little did I know that there was a fighter in there, man. It just took, I took until this season, I feel like, to really see the aggressiveness and the passion from Cal Quantrill out there on the mound. If we're thinking about locking up some pitchers long-term, I know there are so many pitchers coming. Two pitchers just got moved up to AAA. Uh, Curry and the other Logan Allen, Logan T. Allen. I feel like we got to keep printing that in these articles or people are going to get confused. Is Logan Allen back? No, not that Logan Allen. A different Logan Allen that we drafted. Both of them, Curry, got moved up to AAA from AA. They have so many starters in AA. They have so many guys that are pitching really good down there. Um, this could have been what they were thinking when they DFA'd a bunch of people recently, right? They cycled guys up to the majors and then DFA'd Tanner Tully. They DFA'd uh, Gibbet or Gobbit or whatever his name was. And uh, yeah, now, uh, now there's room at AAA and they bring two more guys up. Could those guys, the next time there's a doubleheader, Instead of turning to Pilkington, could they turn to Curry or Allen? Could those guys make their Major League debuts this season? They're one step closer now. So that'll be very interesting. But if you're looking at a starter currently to maybe lock up long-term, I think Quantrill is a really interesting candidate for that. He seems like he's going to be a really, really solid pitcher moving forward. Uh, so the Guardians get the win Hell yeah, they get the win. It ties the series up at two games apiece. Man, if this were like an American League division series, this would be really exciting stuff. And now we get a day game finale, a 1-10 start, and we get Bieber on the mound going against Archer uh, for the Twins. Archer is a righty, so I don't expect him to mess with the lineup too much. I expect to see Naylor and Quan and those guys in there again. Uh, Chris Archer, man. 33 years old, Chris Archer. Uh, this guy has bounced around a little bit. He pitched for a long time for Tampa Bay. Ends up going to Pittsburgh. That does not work out well for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ends up back in Tampa Bay, actually. And uh, 
That's right. He was traded for Tyler Glass now, Austin Meadows, and a player to be named later. Wow. What a trade. And it does not work out for Pittsburgh. They thought he was going to be an ace for them. Ends up back in Tampa Bay and now is in Minnesota. So a veteran righty right here. Not having, having an okay season. Two and three with a 314 ERA, a 1.22 whip. That's all right. It's not a bad season. So yeah, we're going to have to face the righty today to win this series. We can still win this series. That is some exciting stuff right there. We're, we won't be able to take first place. We're two games back still. But we can even things up in the loss column. That's something we could do. And uh, I would say taking three out of five from Minnesota would definitely be worth it, right? Everything, this whole roller coaster ride of a homestand, uh, that would be pretty good stuff if we could take three out of five from Minnesota. And give us a little bit of momentum because we got the Yankees coming to town on Friday night. So it would be nice to go into that. Garrett Cole kicking things off for the Yankees. It'd be good to go into that game with a little bit of momentum. So we'll see what they could do with some day baseball. We could see if the magic is still there from last night. That's all my thoughts on this one. Incredible. Naylor MVP for the day goes to Josh Naylor. You hit a walk-off home run like that. You headbutt the manager in celebration. You are definitely getting MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the Guardian 7, the Twin 6. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know your thoughts on Josh Naylor headbutting members of the coaching staff. Come on, hit me up. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>